Hello, hello, hello everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. <clears throat> Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a weekly conversation about representation and the black and brown experiences and how they're shown through comics and related media. I'm your host, Rain Coleman, and this is issue number 10. Um, today's issue, we will be going over one of Marvel Comics' uh, earliest or earlier um, villains, super super villains, villain villainesses, uh, Princess Xander. Um, by this time, in actual time, in actual 2016, most people are aware of who the Black Panther is. Um, may not be from the comics, but at least through movies and the new Tanahasi Coates run of um, Black Panther or Roxanne Gay's run of World of Wakanda. You have some general superficial knowledge of who Black Panther is. You know, he's a king. Um, essentially, the Black Batman Superman merged together. Uh, he started off, uh, I think, off the backs of the Fantastic Four. All that being said, this isn't a Black Panther issue. This is a Princess Xanda issue. Princess Xanda is a character created by Jack Kirby. Um, she's a Marvel Comics character. She first showed up in Black Panther number one. Um, she's, for all intents and purposes, just a human, a black woman. Um, and she has a pretty... What's not what's love got to do with it? Thin line between love and hate style relationship with Wakanda's very own Black Panther. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, Princess Zanda is the latest of rulers of the African nation Nairobia. She's a human with no supernatural powers. Um, she has some ability as a markswoman with firearms and uh, I don't know, just weaponry in general. Um, Let's see, she has an extensive knowledge of rare artifacts. She um, also has, of course, all the resources of her country behind her, uh, at her disposal, rather, including the armed forces, which is interesting for a supervillain. Well, I guess maybe not so much, because Dr. Doom has Latveria, his, um, his little country, off European country somewhere off in Eastern Europe or something. But this is a superhero, superhero, super villain who is one, a black woman. Two, she's a black woman in power. Three, she's a villain and she's not, through the research I found, she's not, she doesn't suffer from having a man be her motivation for her villainy or her heroics. Like, it's all her. Um, fourthly, she's an atheist, which is, um, very interesting considering she showed up in 1977 during issue one of Black Panther and in the 70s America was essentially as it is now a quote-unquote Christian nation so for her to be written as an atheist was very interesting that may have been just to support her bad guyness but looking back on it, it was like that's pretty progressive for its time uh and, I, and discovering those little facts about her made her that much more interesting to me. Um, let's see. They say unlike previous people who ruled, you know, her family who, who ruled over Nairobi, she uh, turned to crime. 
And uh, to finance most of those criminal activities, she um, she used her family's wealth, uh, you know, in the country of Nairobi. Nairobi. Uh, la, 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 la. After many travels, she became known worldwide as a very worthy thief, which when you go back in Marvel history, you have all these thieves, these, you know, like Gambit, for one, this cisgender white male who's a product of the 90s, who is this world-renowned thief. Well, you got this black woman who's been ripping off stuff way before uh, Gambit was even thought about. And in doing my research, I found that she was known as the African Paris Hilton, which to me, that's kind of a slap in the face because to apply that title to her as if she wasn't, first of all, around before there was uh, Paris Hilton thought of. And then, two... Her run was so short, essentially, because I think she showed up in Black Panther number one. Her last appearance was Black Panther number seven. This was prior to, like, Secret Wars and Civil War events came up. But back then, um, there was no Paris Hilton. Like, she would, if anything, if you want to say this wealthy, young socialite who was stealing things was anybody, she was her damn self. And you can attribute Paris Hilton's iconicness to her, which actually you can't because they're two totally different people. If Paris Hilton was a fictional character with her same background, they still, there would be nothing tying them together. So I don't know, that was kind of not necessarily offensive, it just seemed foolish to apply that particular um, media persona to her as if she wasn't established decades beforehand. But I digress. Um, Princess Xander, uh, she was the only child of Emir of Nairobi. Nairobi, yeah, Nairobi. Um, and was born during World War II. She was raised amongst opulence and indulgence and prestige and privilege, which again is like, man, true enough, this might be an extreme caricature of a black person at this time, either extremely poor and poverty stricken or extremely wealthy. But that being said, she's still a black woman, a woman of color, a woman who holds power, who is surrounded by nothing but wealth. And I don't know, that just says something. And then she's a, a villain. She's not some heroine who's doing the right thing. And even even with her villainry, villainry or her being a villain, I couldn't find anything that was too far removed or too villainous, actually, it was more or less like, I'm stealing these things, these artifacts, or I'm going on these adventures. It was never, I'm, I'm killing someone, or I'm just murdering a bunch of people, or I'm just, like, it, not to say that being a villain is a good thing, but when you look at her form of villainy versus, say, Dr. Doom, or uh, Magneto, or, I don't know, Alex Luthor, mm, yeah, I said Alex Luthor, or, or uh, Dark Side, or all this, like, it's, there's degrees and levels to heroics and villainy, but it's just like, she, I don't know, it's just, she didn't seem like that much of a villain to me, she seemed like a kleptomaniac, a woman who, or like a very posh kleptomaniac who wanted to get sacred artifacts, but, again, all that being said, with her being raised around all this opulence as a child, it's, I don't want to say it's normal, but it seems like the next logical step would be for her to be 
obsessed with those types of things and maybe not obsessed to the point of going crazy for them but hell if you raised a wealthy kid you just expect that everyone has a car everyone has a helicopter everyone has this um she was raised amongst all this opulence and indulgence and um as her small african nation had grown rich uh from exploiting its petroleum and diamond deposits her father was um he was very shrewd and ruthless and she inherited a lot of those qualities it didn't mention much about her mother or even siblings um I have to think again, this is something that's a sign of the times where she was just a villain, so there wasn't much exploration into her backstory. Um, let me see. She channeled all this ruthless and shrewdness into her passion, which was collecting priceless, mysterious artifacts. Um, so she was kind of like the early Tomb Raider, even. Um, her lust for all this acquisition of these mystical arts was so insatiable that in the 1960s or early 1960s she conspired to have her ailing father removed from power so she could devote her nation's resources to building her collection which is another thing that i think is very interesting because if she's this horrible villain either directly or in it indirectly you she it still humanizes her this very act because once she was already next in line to run the nation because her father is king and she's the princess but with him having this declining health she whereas i guess she could have poisoned and killed him or just killed him and got him out the way she more or less found a way to just have him removed so it's not like she's so much of a villain that she to me she seems bored or she seems like someone with affluenza who is, can just do these things but she's not actually hurting anyone I don't know I don't want to seem like a villain apologist but it just seems as if to label her a villain I'm sure the more I go through this issue the more you'll see that her villainy does come up but she seems to be grounded in what is actually going on in reality today because we have um the media depicts through movies and TV shows and then sometimes even on the news where you have these wealthy kids who are, um, I don't know, killing their parents or putting a hit out on their grandparents or whatever so that these people can die. They can get the inheritance that they want right now and so forth and so forth. And these aren't people who run African nations. They're just people who were born at a higher financial station or tax bracket in life and now you're greedy and you want more but to her credit she didn't murder her father she didn't have him killed she just had him removed from power which it, there wasn't much details about that particular act so her being a villain you can assume it was bad but it could have been something as simple as my father is ill he cannot run this country he's in failing health i am a mature woman next in line and i have my right mind i'll take over so i don't know i'm still not seeing her as the villain <laughs> but that's just me um shit, she's a, a collector <laughs> uh let's see this is the interesting point for me um uh, going back to her being uh, her religious affiliations zanda feared that her country's muslim population would not accept her um atheistic and uh her atheistic reign so she hired an army of foreign mercenaries to enforce her will. That right there, 
again, speaks to the nation itself. One is the Muslim nation, which I, I wasn't aware of, but she's an atheist, and she's essentially the government, and she has a fear of her um, Muslim nation rejecting her because of her atheist beliefs. But the religion aside, or kind of tucked to the side, even though she's the government, she knows that the power lies within the people. So for her to fear that, that there's even an option she can be removed from power is another interesting thing, especially coming off the heels of the American um, election where we now have a new president-elect who a lot of people are understandably upset about. And, you know, there's emotions running high on both sides of the fence, but just the idea that this nation has enough power, which is how it should be, to not go too far down the political rabbit hole, she had a healthy fear of her people, which essentially kept her in line until it didn't, because <laughs> she did hire the foreign mercenaries to, you know, to help her keep the um, the country under her heel, which makes sense in the way she was raised and in the way that she thinks and being a grown woman, the way that she acts. But I just thought that was very interesting because, again, this is a strong black female character who is in power, who's not operating out of the wants and desires of some man. She's her own independent person with agency who's holding her own with with several men in this universe, in this Marvel universe, which I thought was so great. Like, this is back in 1977, 78, 79, and you have this strong woman character. Um, let's see, she became involved with a cabal of wealthy collectors called <laughs> the collectors, which <laughs> is like y'all couldn't have came up with something else. You have all these strange and mythical names for artifacts that you're stealing, but you just call yourself the collectors. I thought that was pretty lame. But um, in this cabal of wealthy collectors, they were all white men. They were all wealthy men who were doing what she was doing, but she was the only woman in this group. Um. And she was running shit. So um, this is how she first came into prominence was um, as a member of this group, which they were described as, as this group of ruthless collectors who dealt in like obscure and powerful artifacts, which again set in a comic book universe that um, is very different from maybe some wealthy guys in our regular real life who's just running around stealing artifacts like Indiana Jones. Um, which scratch that because that's a fictional character as well. But you get what I'm saying. Things ain't set in a universe where mystical and magical and science fiction things happen on a daily basis. To be a collector and be able to successfully pull off these different heights of these um, these artifacts and these mystical pieces, that's a pretty big deal. You know, that's like going into a museum and stealing a painting. You know, right out the front door or doing it in a way that uh, this thing is heavily guarded. But you walking out like it's nothing. I thought that was a, a pretty, even though it's a villainous act, it still is goes back to her and her agency, her being this strong and powerful character. And then she's a human in a world where there are mutants, people who can fly, shoot lasers out their eyes, read your mind, lift tons and tons with little effort this woman 
human woman with no powers other than knowing how to, you know, shoot guns and fight is accomplishing quite a lot. Um, be it through villainous means or heroic means, she's still holding her own and kicking ass and taking names later. Uh, let's see. But when it came down to the Cabal, they they were a group, a cohesive group, but they all were very distrusting of each other. It weren't they were they worked together. Um, their their time working together was very limited. Um, only as long as it served you know each individual's interest. Let me see. The five men called themselves Abner Little, Alfred Quigley, Count Zobra, Colonel Pigman and Silas Mourner. Um, though they found Xander's imperilous attitude and arrogance to be grating, they agreed that Nairobia was the perfect as a haven from international authorities and as a launching pad for their campaigns of destruction. Thus, they tolerated her. So again, this black woman who runs a country, who is a human, who is still in mystical shit left and right, aligns herself with these five men who are a powerful threatening group but they rely on her because of all her fucking authority like yeah she has this fucking attitude and she's very um um elitist i suppose but they were smart enough to know that all that shit aside this woman has every resource that we could use or that anyone could use um so we need to align ourselves with her. She is one black woman amongst all these white men holding her own and um, being the one with the most power. Uh, let's see. Xanda, however, she was ready to betray any and all of them to further her own ends. Which is like, ah, it still keeps going back to me. It seems like a very dark and twisted tale of Ocean's Eleven. Like you have these five men, well six, the collectors, the group of six, who are working towards taking these artifacts uh, as a team but of course they have their own individual interests and even though everyone has their own little special skill set Xanda the little brown girl amongst these white boys is the most powerful and the most prestigious character I, I don't know it's just she's a villain but I just I I have to get behind her like I can't I can't be against her at this point this woman is badass um let's see in the spring of 1969, Xander learned that Alfred Queeley, one of the members of the, the Collectors, had discovered the legendary Brass Frog. It is an ancient artifact believed to possess the power of time travel. So she sent the squad, mind you, she had some foreign mercenaries coming to her country to control, to keep her in control. Now she's just sending out groups of thugs and shit like, come on. Wealth aside, this woman is controlling these men. Like, they depend on her for whatever reason. I'm sure she's paying them, of course. But, again, she's like this badass kingpin or queenpin or whatever. <sighs> Just effortless. Oh, let me send out these thugs or these warriors and mercenaries to handle this business for me. Godly. Um, let's see. She sent the squad of mercenaries to take it from him, um, the Brass Frog. <sighs> but Abner Little got there first, one of the other members of the uh, the collectors. With more of her men, more of her men, additional amounts of men, Xander quickly headed to Little's secret headquarters in Mongolia, 
and was waiting for him when he arrived. So another fucking badass move. I sent somebody to go pick up this artifact. You decide to go in, uh, and, and take it. So I'm not going after you. I'm going to your home base with my next group of thugs and mercenaries. And I'm going to wait for you to show up so I can get my shit back. It's like, <laughs> come on. I'm, eventually, I'm going to, I'm, I guess, find a way to not like her. But I, I just can't. Um, let's see. She was waiting for him when he arrived. She was surprised to find out that Little had uh, recruited the help of T'Challa, the Black Panther, King of Wakanda. T'Challa, the King of Wakanda. Um, you know, of course, better known as the Black Panther. Xander came into conflict with the Black Panther, and this is in issue number one in 1977, over this pair of mystical brass frogs. When they, which, again, this, let me stop right here, because T'Challa is the King of Wakanda. He's a good guy. He's a superhero. And these brass frogs, of course, got the little time travel and all that, and you want them back. But how in the hell did Little, who is a, for all intents and purposes, a villain, employ the Black Panther to protect him? I'm just, I don't know. I have to, again, believe that this is a sign of the times. I have not read issue number one, um, so that's my bad on that. But I'm definitely going to see if I can't get my hands on a copy and go back and see what was the motivation. Because as far as we know, up until now, the collectors are villains. Hell, at this time, they're using Narobia for, as their evil headquarters. So, I don't know. It's, this is a little gray area here, which is not uncommon in comics. But, come on. Like, how, how did you employ the king of Wakanda? I don't know. Whatever. Um... Let me see. This is all happening issue number one. Uh, when they came into conflict with the creature named Hatch. This is Danda and Black Panther uh, going after the mystical brass frogs. But then they come into contact with this like alien creature named Hatch 22. Um, he had been displaced in time. The frogs were accidentally destroyed during this battle and all this foolishness going on. And the creature was sent back to his own time. Uh, around this time, Xanda apparently developed romantic feelings for T'Challa, which, I don't know, which, well, you know, no, I'll focus on that for a second, because even though she has these feelings for him, they still never, they're never her driving force for the things that she do. It's never, I'm doing these things in servitude to my feelings for this man. It still was her having her own agency to do whatever the hell she wanted to. And that's why I love this character. Like, I don't know, villain or not, she just... Seems to be winning in my book. Um, she, after this, subsequently had the Black Panther imprisoned in her palace in her country of Nairobi. And she blackmailed him into hunting for yet another artifact. A water skin that granted eternal life. Now, um, she did all this by threatening to attack uh, Wakanda with nuclear missiles. Again, badass. Where the fuck this woman get nuclear missiles from? This woman. <laughs> like, her country. I don't know. It's... Ah, I would like to see her story. Somebody go back and rewrite her freaking story uh, from her point of view because, of course, everyone's the hero of their own story. But I would like to see... Look how freaking powerful this woman is. Um, let me see. The Black Panther accompanied one of the other collectors, Abner Little, to acquire the water skin. But most of it was destroyed. Um, let me and then a few, la a few days later, they returned with only a fragment of it. So I assume it was like a vial or like a little perfume bottle full of um, 
the eternal life elixir. Xander, of course, was furious. She believed that T'Challa was uh, trying to keep the secret of immortality for herself. She then threatened to launch the, the nuclear missiles, but T'Challa called her bluff, reminding her that the nations of the world would never allow her to remain in power if she launched a nuclear attack first strike against a peaceful neighbor. Now, there's a couple things going on here. One, this woman has the power, the privilege, and the authority to, one, have the nuclear weapons, and two, to be able to launch them. So, of course, the UN and or their versions of the UN wouldn't allow her to stay in power, but the very fact that she's smart enough to know, because, again, he called her bluff, she wasn't going to do it, but she's smart enough to know, like, I'm not going to blow you up, because... That'll call the all-out war, and that's not going to be good for me. All that aside, that's not good for the planet. A nuclear bomb? Like, this is stuff that I was in, um, I think, middle school during 9-11. And right around that time, we were discussing what would happen if a nuclear bomb went off on the Earth. And uh, my American history professor explained to us that different scientists from different countries all went their separate ways and formed their own hypothesis on what would happen if one nuclear bomb was set off. They all came back together and came up with the same conclusion, which is, you know, essentially death to the world. And the very fact that she wasn't some crazy type, like, she's very passionate about the things she wants to collect, especially eternal life. And even with that being a piece in play, she was smart enough to not let her anger take over and release the damn nuclear bomb. So, of course, she's the villain in this story, but she still seems like such a dynamic character to me. Like, come on. Oh, man. This is... There's so many characters over the years, uh, men and women, villains or not, who shoot themselves in the foot over being angry about something. And this is a situation where that could have happened, and it didn't. Like, props to her. Like, yeah, I'm a villain, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't know, suicidal, I guess? Psychopathic? I don't know. She seems like she got it all together with me. It seems like he just outplayed her on a play that she wasn't even going to make. So, I don't know. I, I, I like her. She seems like regular Xander from the block to me. <laughs> She'll seem like a villain. Uh, 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 let me see. Uh, she, after him calling her bluff and talking all this, you can't stay in power or whatever, she argued with, uh, with the collect, the collector, the, um, collectors, until Little confirmed her suspicions by revealing that he had smuggled a vial of water out of his pocket. The rest of the collectors instantly pounced on him, so, <laughs> these motherfuckers, <laughs> they attacked him, um, let me see. They wrestled the vial from him, but he managed to toss it to Black Panther. Um, then they immediately went after him. Well, they did this, which was foolish because this is the Black Panther. He whooped their ass. But I'd like to note that in all of this fighting and violence, Xander never got involved in the fight. The other four white men in the group, the collectors, went after Little. Uh, when I went after him and he threw the vial to Black Panther, the four of them went after Black Panther. Xander didn't. She was like, like this y'all shit, you be physical. You fight. You do all this shit. I don't need to do this. I have mercenaries in my back pocket. On speed now. I can snap my fingers and a group appears. Y'all do this. 
Which again is like, damn, she's smart. Let the pawns fight. <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, with Xander, um, okay, the collectors instantly pounced on Little, get the vibe from him, he threw it to Black Panther. Um, yeah, he whooped their ass immediately, and uh, Xander then vowed to kill him unless he surrendered the vow to her. Well, uh, the Black Panther easily overpowered the four collectors, whatever. He fought his way to one of her, Xander's jet copters. Again, this woman has a fleet of jet copters. Come on. <laughs> she, these little, she's amazing. I don't care what you say, hell. Let me see. After he got her copter, he escaped to Wakanda. Uh, it's noted that the vial of water was shattered in the, the fight and the secret of immortality was lost, which is sad. But all this, even through his heroics, the most interesting character in this story has been Xander for me. It's not Black Panther. It's not the other collectors. It's not even the mercenaries she had. It's her. Um, she was thoroughly uh, disgusted with each other, the collectors and Xander. But they all went their separate ways. Um, let's see. Xander was left to pursue her uh, schemes on her own, which she spent vast sums of money attempting to rediscover the tomb where the vial of um, immortality water was from. She never succeeded. But that being said, she spent vast amounts of money. Like, she has to have one of the richest countries in the world, if not just in Africa. It, but, I don't, I don't even... <laughs> I don't think a lot of this stuff was intentional, but when you can read between the lines through her history, it's like this woman didn't run out of money. She just was unsuccessful at finding certain things, but she never ran out of money. She still had her jet copters. She still had her mercenaries. She still had her uh, natural resources of her country. Like she, this woman's badass. But um, in the years that followed that, her criminal her criminal record continued to you know crime and get higher and higher. She was acquiring more uh, mystical artifacts, but Xander was pissed off when she discovered that the Black Panther, uh, who she had fought with before, was about to marry the mutant X Men Storm. Despite the fact that she had never actually been romantically involved with him, this is the part that seems like it was just there to serve the story, the greater narrative. Because I can see that she had some feelings for him. But, I don't know. I just don't see her as someone who would have, one, thought that T'Challa, the king of Wakanda, would have stayed single. And two, like, she doesn't seem like the one who's motivated by trying to get a man. So, for her to be so upset about him getting married to Storm, it just seemed out of character to, to me, for her. But, I'll roll with that. Because even if that's the motivating focus behind maybe that particular arc, it still doesn't erase or negate everything she's done up until then. Which, yes, she had her, her time in the Black Panther series, and then she went on and did her criminal thing, and then years later, this engagement pops up. But it's implied that throughout all that time, she had been handling her own business, stealing shit, becoming a, a better criminal. She's, um, let me see, wanted in 15 different countries. It's like she, right? I'll I'll give you this that she wants to. She's mad about him being married. Whatever. Um, part of her, well, the way she reacted to him being um, linked to Storm and getting ready to marry her is that she. <laughs> this woman went to New York City, 
and began spending money lavishly in the city's fashion store, claiming that she was the one marrying T'Challa herself. Storm found out what Zen had been doing and she confronted her uh, in one of the stores. And after an exchange of words, Storm used her elemental weather powers to defeat Xander. Uh, let's see. Xander threatened Storm with her country's military might, and she said she would neutralize Storm's powers, um, which she didn't do because she couldn't do. Uh, Storm walked out the store, and Xander threatened legal action, then returned to Nairobi in shame. In shame? Nah. Because again, looking, reading between the lines, yes, this is what happened, and yes, she got defeated, but Xander traveled to New York. She didn't impersonate Storm. She said she was the one getting married to Black Panther. Add to that, she's spending this money lavishly. I'm thinking pretty woman with a, a hint of, uh, I don't know, billionaire added to her. She's just spending money. That's her own. She's not even saying, oh, I'm I'm Storm or I'm um, the soon-to-be queen of Wakanda. Put this on Wakanda's account. She's spending her own goddamn money. This woman is still, even in her pettiness, it's still winning. Like, okay, Storm, you didn't use your little weather powers and knock this human into a wall and you didn't tell me off. But girl, Xander is still <laughs> winning to me. I was like, and uh, Black Panther and Storm eventually got a divorce, so, you know, there's that. But, I don't know, she's a villain, but not to me. <laughs> Let's see, uh, and okay, I think that was like the last appearance of her for quite some time. But then when the Civil War happened, the original Civil War um, with Tony Stark and Captain America, she um, she assisted uh, the Pan-African Congress on the treatment of superhumans hosted in Wakanda, among other African leaders. She did this in a search of a consensus on the way to react to the American Superhuman Registration Act. The Congress was a failure, of course, as the representatives failed to reach an agreement before the end of the Congress. This leads me to assume that Vanda was actually in the Captain America Civil War movie um, at the conference where T'Challa's father was killed. It's just, a, I don't know, a general assumption just looking at her history and then having seen the movie. I'm pretty sure it's safe to assume that she was there. Of course, she wasn't a character in the movie, but that's just something interesting to me that she she still exists. She's out there somewhere, but how badass would it be to revisit Xander, Princess Xander, motherfucking human holding her own against mutants, superpower beings, um, burly men. Xander uh, has not, she might have got her ass kicked by Storm, but aside from that, there's no record of her being beat up. For anything like she she has been once she's one in the 15 countries um she's a master thief she um is great with weaponry she has an entire country behind her she has an entire military behind her and she's smart enough to use this just for her own personal gains and not to eviscerate the damn continent um or the world like she just seems like to me, she doesn't seem so much a villain as she does like an anti-hero or, I say, just a nuisance. Because nothing that she does is detrimental to the world at large. Because um, even her employing this militia, this foreign 
um, these foreign mercenaries to enforce her rule over her people. It was never noted to be some hostile, um, horrible living conditions. Like, essentially, she kept the country running as it was. She brought in the mercenaries to make sure that her atheism would not stop, would not prevent her from being princess or ruler. Like, that was the only difference. Yeah, it was a bad one, but I think it's kind of justified in the sense that people really allow religion to take over and create laws where there should be some separation because a religion is nothing but your deeply held belief. It's not something that's factual in law that you should be able to um, control different people's rights with. Um, but her people does have the right to overthrow her. It's like she's a horrible leader, which one could argue that she was being a thief, but it's like, mm, her people never suffered from the actions she, she, uh, she engaged in. All the stuff that she did with the collectors was something she did off of her own. Yes, she hosted them, um, to escape from international authorities. That's one thing in particular, but her people never suffered from the decisions she made. They were still a thriving um, powerhouse that they were when her father was in charge and after she took power and after, before, and during when she was doing this love, criminal behavior. So I don't know. I think she's just a criminal. I don't think she's a villain. And then even being a criminal, she's more of a petty criminal because she, she's just going after jewelry and artifacts that she wants. It's not like, ow, I just... I have a soft spot for her in my heart, <laughs> so um, villain or not, that's that. And I would like to, I don't know, see a book written um, about all the things that happened prior to uh, meeting the Black Panther and then afterwards, but from her point of view, like that would be a nice um, take on this character because like I said before, everyone's the hero in their own story, so... Give me a story written by an African woman about this um, this princess and the bullshit she did, the uh, great things she did for our country. Because this is an older character from the 70s, so there wasn't a lot of... Um, she wasn't given a lot of backstory. She wasn't given a lot of flushed out parts of her. But I would like to believe that she was a good ruler like when it came to her people so let's see that side of her not to be an apologist for villains but hell she she seemed what's so different from her and the Punisher you know aside from Shane out here just murdering folks what makes her so different from Dr. Doom who has been seen as ambivalent and as kind of a good guy he's great to his people Liberia is a country that's running just fine and even when he became God doomed during the Secret Wars and Battle World um, event he was still a essentially good ruler he did things that he had to just like any monarch or patriarch or whatever but the same could be said for her Princess Zanda to me is just a bored rich woman um, who's a good ruler so I don't know. I'm I'm all for her. Um, you can be against her, but uh, she'll just send some mercenaries to whoop your ass on her behalf. So um, yeah, that that was it. That was it. That's kind of where 
it ends. Now, I'm not sure where she is currently in the current Marvel Universe, but what I, ooh, I hope I don't sound like a fool because I haven't read um, the this current run of Black Panther. I'm starting to read World of Wakanda, and if she's popped up in Black Panther, forgive me. Uh, I'll find out soon enough because <laughs> over the Christmas holiday, I plan on piling through those 12 issues, but this is under the assumption that she is not in there. I haven't read Black Panther yet, so you know, bear with me if she is. But all that being said, I don't know where she is, but it would be so awesome to have this character um, in the forefront. Like th There have been villains who have gotten books before. Give me a miniseries. Give me um, a few trade paperbacks. Give me this character out in the forefront doing her damn thing in her country um show me something different because we're focusing on wakanda and the black panther which is great you know his movie comes out in 2018 we have his books running right now that's awesome but everybody can't be this strong powerhouse overly advanced not overly advanced but extremely advanced african country let's see what neighboring countries are doing because if you are he it mentioned that black panther caught her bluff by um pointing out that she wouldn't be able to stay in power well to me that assumes that everyone doesn't have the same level of power or prestige that wakanda has what does a i guess just regular african nation that has petroleum deposits look like you know just give me something real with her being a human with no superpowers It'd be nice to read a Marvel book that's about a human that doesn't have a lot of fantastical, extreme, um, superhuman strength, power, flight uses. Give me this woman in charge, whooping ass, stealing artifacts, flying, country hopping. Give me that. Give me this, uh, Tomb Raider-esque, uh, story with the black woman lead. Give me that. Shit, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, this has been uh, issue 10 of the Carefree Blackfire Podcast. Uh, thank you all for joining me again. Uh, looking forward to the next two issues because we're wrapping up my pilot season in season one of the Carefree Blackfire Podcast. Um, I've learned a lot within these last few issues. I've made some mistakes, probably still making some, but that's fine. Um, let's see, let's keep this conversation going. Hit me up uh, at my email, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. On Twitter, tweet me at carefreeblurred. On Instagram and Tumblr, carefreeblacknerd. I would love to hear from any and all of you. Be it you just want to say hi. You like this character as well. You don't like this character. It's all fine and good. Just hit me up. Let me know something. Um, also, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, um, on iTunes, please, 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 please review. Um, give me those five stars. Let me know what you think. The more reviews, the more exposure I get, and uh, essentially the more followers and listeners I can get. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, just very excited to be doing this. I don't know 
if that shows enough or at all. But I do appreciate everyone who listens, and I hope that you join me in ending up this year strong and stay listeners for quite some time. Uh, yeah, I'll be back next week. Thank you all. Stay uh, nerdy and geeky and all that stuff. Meet me back here. Same nerd time. Same nerd station.